Welcome to Gateway Community Church, Webster, Texas. We're so glad you found us, and we hope this message helps you discover more about God and His unique plan for your life. Well, we do hope you are preparing room for Him in your life, in your heart. And that's why we gather here and we look forward to Christmas Eve and all that God, we believe, is going to do there uh, as you come, as you invite your friends, and as you serve them to help them experience they themselves, the love and, and peace of God, to prepare room in their hearts for him as well. Um, Pastor Max Lucado tells about a neighbor of his who was trying to teach his six-year-old son how to shoot a basketball. They were out in the backyard, and the father had shot a few times, and he said to his son, son, just do it just like this. It's really easy. And so the little boy was getting out there, and he was trying to throw the ball up. But unfortunately, he couldn't get it up more than about 10 feet in the air, just kind of skimming the net but not getting it uh, over the rim. And he got more and more frustrated. And finally, after hearing his dad say for probably the 10th time that it was easy, he said, Dad, it's easy for you up there. You don't know how hard it is from down here. Sounds like somebody's had that experience. <laughs> you know, and, and I think sometimes we wonder if God himself really understands how hard it is down here. It's been my experience that, that everyone is either going through a problem, just gotten through a problem, or about to get into a problem. This past week, uh, one of the guys in our church texted me about a, a couple of his friends that were going through some hard times, asking me about a book or books that I could recommend to help them as they faced some challenges in life, because these guys were wondering if God understood, if God even cared about what was going on in their lives. They, they needed some kind of encouragement, some kind of assurance. And yet that's a big part of the message of Christmas. God does understand. Because in Jesus, he's walked where we've walked. He's faced what we've faced. In fact, he's even struggled with what we have struggled against. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The Word became flesh. That's this on you and me. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. On Thursday, many of us, read the life journal as an ongoing reading plan. And on Thursday, the, one of the, the chapters was John ch chapter 4, where Jesus encounters the woman, the Samaritan woman at the well. And it's a story I've read probably dozens of times. But it was interesting, one of the guys that I talked to regularly shared with me, he, he said there was a verse in it that just jumped off the page at him. And we, we talked about it that morning. It's John 4, verse 6. Jesus tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. I, I've read that passage, again, probably a couple, three dozen times. I don't ever remember paying attention to that verse. But suddenly, for, for him, it jumped out, and then as we talked about it, it became so real to me. Here is an incredible picture of human experience that we take for granted. Weariness. Anybody here ever feel weary on Bay Area Boulevard <laughs> or in the mall or wrapping presents 
or whatever it may be. Do you ever think, though, about weariness being something that the Son of God experienced? That he got tired. He got worn down. In fact, he got so tired, he needed to sit. I thought, wow. I've read this so many times, and yet there it jumps off the page. Jesus, the Son of God, did not become flesh just so he could have experiences like we have. He chose to become human, emptying himself, Philippians tells us, to be to let us know he's with us. He's on our side no matter what we're going through because he has been there and then to enable us to join in his mission to save the world. He did it back then and he invites us today to join in. And so we read in Matthew chapter 1 that we've been looking at in this series, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet, who was Isaiah, Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We call this of him emptying and becoming flesh like us, weary like us, the incarnation, which literally means to become flesh, to become human. The doctrine of the incarnation teaches that the eternal Son of God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the eternal Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh and blood, became human, just like you and me, without in any way diminishing his divine nature. Because God has always wanted you and me to understand that he understands, that he cares about our lives. We matter to him. You, and and not just you, plural, you, singular, matter to God whether you're feeling it right now or not. And and all God did throughout the Old Testament, and especially what he's done in and through Jesus himself, helps us understand and see this truth that he is with us. But here's the thing. All through the Gospels, we see Jesus, and, and he's always with his 12 disciples, and he's in Nazareth, or he's in Samaria, or he's up in Galilee, or he's in Jerusalem. He's, he's with the disciples, but he is always in one place at one time. Here is the God with us, the child born at Bethlehem, who is, the promise is he is with us, and yet, as Jesus The man, he could only be in one place at one time, period. So how is he with us today? Because it's not practical. I mean, even in the time of Jesus, he might be with the disciples in Galilee, but he wasn't with people in Jerusalem at the same time. And so he had this great plan to demonstrate, to be with us. He said he had an answer that would enable God to to be with each and every one, every follower of Jesus, no matter where they are, no matter where you are. In John 14, Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. 
and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it doesn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later, talking about Pentecost, will be in you. The Holy Spirit came to those very first disciples on Pentecost. And ever since, the, the church has, has proclaimed and affirmed that he has entered into and lived in every follower of Jesus Christ. Not just, no longer, not just God with us, but in addition, God in us. As Jesus said would happen in John 14. Through the Holy Spirit, God takes being with us to a whole new level. And there's a, a powerful example of this found in the Gospel of Luke, the second book of the New Testament, or third book of the New Testament, in the days following Christmas. So turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, or uh, take your mobile device out, and you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and click on the live page. If you have neither of those, as always, we have an insert in your bulletin that gives you a place to follow along, take some notes, and uh, have all the scriptures that we're going to be referring to. Um, prior to the verses we're going to look at, verses 22 to 24 show us Joseph and Mary, the parents of Jesus, have now brought Jesus to Jerusalem. At, he's 40 days old, and they have brought him to be dedicated to the Lord as their firstborn son, according to the law of Moses, according to what was laid out in the first five books of the Old Testament. So here they are in a large open court area of the temple, um, not in the temple pr proper, but in a court area around it, in, an, in a place where women were allowed to go, in the midst of what most certainly must have been very large crowds. And so we pick up our reading this morning, chapter 2, beginning in verse 25. It says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So even as Joseph and Mary are here at, in the temple court area, they, they're dedicating Jesus, here is this man, Simeon, who is there also, who is there because the Holy Spirit has given him a revelation that he is going to see the Messiah. Now, the, the Messiah was a Hebrew term, Old Testament that when it got translated into the New Testament Greek, became the word Christ. So when we talk about Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Christ is who he is. In fact, sometimes people say Jesus the Christ. That's who he is. He is the Messiah, the anointed one of God who has come to liberate first the Jews, but then all people from oppression. And in this passage, now we're going to see several ways that the Holy Spirit works in our life with us when he lives in us if we listen to him. Luke tells us Simeon has discerned the Messiah was going to be there that day in the temple courts at that time by revelation from the Holy Spirit. Simeon has learned something that he could not have known any other way. He did not know how to identify this person. He, he could not have guessed. I mean, this, was, this would have been so random as to have been impossible if it had not been revealed to him. And I want to tell you, whatever we know about God, 
is because God himself has chosen to reveal that to us. God is spirit. We have no ability within ourselves to perceive, to know, to, to go. And that's why many people can go through this life and, and have no sense of God or not have any belief in it because he's not concrete, he's not tangible, he's not necessarily working in ways that they can always perceive. And so we have to listen, we have to pay attention because he reveals himself. Our sin, so sin-filled lives break that connection so it is so much harder. But he began to reveal himself directly through prophets and teachers of old. And today he reveals himself more clearly than anywhere else through God's word, through the Bible, that is in fact revelation. So per Luke, Simeon only discerned this revelation, this revealing, because, Luke says, he was righteous and devout and eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come. He was looking. He was intentional. He was trying. He wasn't just kind of hanging out, and if it happened, great. If not, he, he was doing something else, and it wasn't. He was occupying his time intentionally. In other words, the vast majority of the time, you and I, in fact, will not discern the Spirit's revelation unless we are seeking him and his revelation in our lives. And all of us know this intuitively because we can go through life and get busy and miss a lot of stuff that other people see. That's why the psalmist wrote, be still and know that I am God. Because if we're going through the motions, if, if, if we're, not really, we're not really convinced he's going to appear, he's going to act somehow in my life, he's going to make a difference, we're probably not going to perceive when that still small voice speaks to us. And so quite honestly, if, if that's the way we're going through life, we're, we're going we're gonna to feel Christianity doesn't really make much difference. Maybe my family was Christian, so I've decided to be Christian, or some of the people I know are Christian, so I kind of adopted that talk in order to be around them. But honestly, I, I kind of feel like it's irrelevant. It doesn't make much difference. It doesn't have much impact on my life. And in fact, if that is the circumstance you're going through right now, here's why. Because if you're not trying to seek him out, if you're not immersing yourself in him, seeking him daily throughout the day, if you're not reading God's word, the Bible, if you're not praying, you probably won't perceive most of the times when he could be and would be and in fact is working in your life. I mean, you, you, you know this intuitively. You don't know much that's going on about somebody's life halfway across the room that you've just said hi to occasionally. They could have just won the lottery right over here. And you don't know it because you had very little to do with him. It's the same way with God. If I'm not intentionally seeking him, if I'm not, if that relationship isn't important to me, man, most of this stuff is going to go just like this. Be still and know that I am God, he says. 
And when we take that time, when we are intentional, when we are looking, okay, God, what do you want to show me here? Okay, God, how are you working as I'm walking through the grocery store? Okay, God, what is it in this class today that you want to reveal to me? Okay, God, I got all this family coming in. It's going to be a pain. Can you show me yourself in the midst of that? What do you want to show me? What do you want to teach me? I find sometimes that happens when I'm reading in the Bible, a verse or a phrase or, or even just a word just leaps off the page for me, like it did for my friend on Thursday in reading that passage from Gospel of John chapter 4, verse 6, who saw something that I had missed so many times, but when he called my attention to it, it was like all of a sudden, yeah, you're right, look at that. It's, just, it's amazing to see something like that. And I've learned that that is often the way God's Spirit reveals something to me. Through reading God's Word, through listening, looking, knowing that He is everywhere, present and active if I am seeking. But if I click Him off, if I walk out these doors, and by the time I've got to my car, I have shut down on God, and I'm thinking about Christmas presents or about work problems or relation problems or whatever else, it may not be until next week that he's back and yet he would tell you, I want to I walk with you all the way out to the car. I want to talk with you. I want to share with you. I, I want you to see some things today if you'll let me show you. Man, I, I, I know that what we're doing right now is not just coming up here to sing some songs and listen to a sermon, okay? For some of you, that is it. That's the extent of it. And so you're even already looking at your watch, right? But here's what I believe is happening. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here. We sang, Holy Spirit, come into this place. I believe the Holy Spirit, through nothing special about me, works through me as he works through you, sometimes to share something that you haven't thought about before. I have, every Sunday, someone comes up to me or more and says, how did you know what I was going through? Or, man, it was like you were talking to me. It happens every week. And you know what, when you say that to me, in my mind, I'm thinking, thank you, God. Because somehow, in my stumbling and bumbling, you spoke through me into their life. And though they may think I knew something, I'm not that smart. I'm not that good. You just had a revelation from the Holy Spirit. That's God working. And he would, he'll work as much as you let him or as little as you let him. Sometimes that revelation is just to show us himself in all of his glory. He's given you that to experience that he is with you, in you, even now. And when we're listening, when we're seeking him, as Simeon did, he will reveal himself to us. Sometimes that revelation, is, it's just enough for him to show him himself. But sometimes there's more. 
In verse 27, it says, that day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. We see here that Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit. Through revelation, he received guidance to a particular time, to a particular place. The Spirit does that. He provides us guidance. He wants to lead us in the living of our lives if we're looking for it and if we are willing to obey when we sense his revelation. There is this increasing sense as we center our lives on Jesus Christ and give God our day, give him all of our day, give him every part of the day from morning to dusk to night and not just an hour on Sunday that God's Spirit will lead us as he was leading Simeon. Often, we don't even recognize it in the moment until we look back back and we see how God has woven a a, a wonderful journey in our lives that perhaps is only visible as we look back on, on, on them. When we have eyes of faith, when we increasingly do, we begin to sense that, in fact, there are fewer and fewer coincidences and more and more times where we perceive God did that. God is at work. God is showing me something. It's easy for us to talk about coincidences. I'm, I am increasingly convicted that there are not many true coincidences, but there are many God moments, whether we choose to see them or not. Part of what he does is convict us of our sins, of the things in our lives that work against his purposes in and through us. Jesus said in John 16, when the advocate comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. I I remember early in my Christian journey, not long after I committed my life to to Christ, I I began to feel inside of me this sense that a a conviction I I know now came from the Holy Spirit that, that part of the way that I was being compensated for the company I worked for was unethical, at least in my way of understanding it. And so I wrestled with that because it was, it was enough money that it would, it would impact my lifestyle, and yet at the same time, I, I, kept, I could not escape the feeling that, that something was not right the way I was doing it. And finally, I went to the administrator of the company I worked for, and, and I quietly told him I didn't make a big deal about it. I didn't say anything about anybody else. I just simply said, I need to change this in my compensation package. And he did. He looked at me a little funny, but we were friends, and he knew Christ was working in my life. It wasn't where he was, but he did it. And I want to tell you, after I talked to him about that, it was like there was this sense of peace. This stuff that had been convicting me was was churning my soul. But now, as I had done something about it, regardless of however much money I would have, I felt good. And, and I looked back later, a couple years later on that, and I have to tell you, I couldn't honestly point to something that I did not experience or receive that was good simply because I changed how I was compensated. God just changed my perspective. I'm not saying he put more money in my checking account, although I know he could. I'm just saying he changed my heart. And I've had that kind of convicting experience a number of times since, and and I've found that every time that I am obedient to it, I have sensed a peace within me 
I think that's why the prophet Isaiah said that one of the names of this coming child would be Prince of Peace. And I know it's true. God's guidance leads us to the life God created us for, and that gives us a sense of peace and joy. There's nothing better than that. And as we recognize that, then we do what Simeon did next, later in verse 28. He took the child in his hands and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. And and here we see that in experiencing God's revelation into his life and following how God was guiding him through conviction or direct revelation, Simeon sees a living miracle in the Son of God before him, born in the flesh, the source of our hope and salvation, uh, the hope of the world, in fact, and because of that wondrous gift in that moment, Simeon praises God. He offers him praise, and and that's what we happen when we experience what God is doing. It's not a chore. It's not a task. It's something that wells up within us that we we can't not do. Genuine praise is life-changing, and in fact, it, it aligns our soul with God and his priorities. Genuine praise... When I, even when I work at it, it takes the focus off me and off my life and off my programs. It, it uh, takes it off of us and onto the one who is almighty, all-powerful, all-loving, all-good, all places at all times, who loves us so much and has these incredible plans for our lives. It is this medicine for the soul. That's what praise is. We can praise God in worship here, but we can also praise him at home, in our cars, wherever we are. Praise is recognizing he is God and I'm not. So I don't have to carry the the weight of the world on my shoulders. I don't have to have all the answers. I don't have to fix everything. Praise gives me freedom to be me because I know God is God. It's his love and grace that save me and transform me and give me purpose. It's a gift and, and, and an outcome in our lives when we sense God's revelation that he is with us and loves us and will guide us through his spirit if we will follow him. And the result of that is exactly what Jesus' parents experienced with Simeon. In verse 33, his parents were amazed at what was being said about him. But the spirit's not done yet. Verse 34, Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, the, baby, the baby's mother, this child is destined to cause many in Israel to fall but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. As a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and his sword will pierce your very soul. Simeon blesses Joseph and Mary, and then he speaks specifically to Mary, probably because we know that by the time Jesus was an adult and beginning his ministry, we see no more record of Joseph, and the the belief is that he must have died somewhere in there and not experienced some of the hardships that Mary, in fact, would see that is recorded in the Gospels. And so it's a very challenging prophecy that Simeon shares with Mary, and perhaps it's hard for her to hear at that point. But the big picture here is that the Holy Spirit, God in us, offers us supernatural transformation through his fruit, through his gifts, for the sake of the kingdom. His presence in us enables him to work in us, as he he did in Simeon, to transform us, And he specifically offers to every follower of Jesus the fruit 
of the Spirit. Galatians 5.22, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. And the promise here is that all of these fruits of the Spirit are offered to every single follower of Jesus Christ. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is a promise that has been given to you. If, if you sit on Bay Area and you're not feeling patience, it's because you have not allowed the fruit of the Spirit of God to grow that in you. It's not magic. It's not poof. All of a sudden, I'm patient. Oh, I'm so patient. Let the traffic come. No. It's sitting in the middle of the traffic and as I grinch and I grit my teeth, remember God is with me and he is in me and the fruit of his spirit is to make me patient and I will cooperate with that spirit to begin to experience that. Listen to the couple of you after the first service talk about how that worked in your own life. It was so cool. And that's what God desires. Peace and patience and love and self-control. All these things for every follower of Jesus. But it, 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 we, have to, we have to experience his revelation of this. We have to allow him to lead us and guide us in this. To help us praise him. And then he begins to bring this fruit. Fruit is what comes from what is planted. It doesn't appear immediately. It takes time to grow. But this is the supernatural transformation God wants to work in your life and mine to literally change us. In 2 Corinthians, Paul wrote, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. And part of this transformation is in not just the fruit of the Spirit, as wondrous as that is, but also at least one spiritual gift, a special empowering of the Holy Spirit. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. And, and there's so much more here, and we won't, we're not going to get into it this morning, but what's important for us this morning is to recognize is that when God is with us, when his spirit lives in us, in me, then he gives to me, to you, to us, one or more spiritual gifts. And he gives us, it's not so I can look at me, look how good, look how much God loves me, see, I'm special, or look how special I can do these things, or praise, all that kind of, no, 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 he does it. Not for us, not to build us up, but to help others to build up the body of Christ, the church. It's never given for me. And if I only exercise that for me, then it will be stunted. And here's the thing. God has given, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he has given you a spiritual gift. One or more, period. There's no exceptions. You can't sit there and think, well, I think he skipped me. Oh, he may, he, you may not know what the gift is, but he did not skip you. You just have not sought your gift. You have not sought what it means. You have not tried to use it. You have not experienced what God can do. 
You cannot say, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe God's word, you cannot say that your life has no purpose and that you have no gifts. That's a lie straight from hell. And some of you need to hear that this morning. You matter, you are important, and God has a work for you that he created you for and he has gifted you to do. And he loves you so much that he wants you to join in his work to transform this world. The question is, do you believe it? And, and beyond that, then, will you act on it? Will you cooperate with the Holy Spirit to allow him to grow that gift in you, to help you use it for the sake of others? Simeon was obedient to God. And so the Spirit used him, not just to impart knowledge to Joseph and Mary to give them a prophetic word, but it was recorded for us so that we could better understand what God is doing and what he wants to do in you and me. Simeon had no clue that that was going to happen. But today, 2,000 years later, you and I are reading that story because of the Holy Spirit. Because he wants to produce fruit in you and he wants to work out his gift or gifts in you to be enable you to be transformed to become more loving to become one who genuinely seeks to be used by god to change the world around you that's why we're here at gateway we're involved in in feeding the homeless we're involved in helping students in area schools working with generation one in the third ward helping children in kenya who have suffered because of the hiv aids scourge to help them through starfish kenya and provide more support, virtually all of their support. It's why we're offering hope through ministries like Celebrate Recovery to help those struggling with hurts, habits, and hang-ups in their lives, to provide marriage mentors to come alongside those who are looking for more in their marriage, to, to our prayer ministry, which prays for so many people, for you and so many more throughout the week, and for, through whom they have given over 2,000 prayer quilts to individuals who are going through significant struggles. We believe that God has established Gateway to be a gateway to faith for thousands across this Bay Area. But at the same time, it is not simply enough that we come in and receive. We come in to receive in order to give. We receive God's fruit and His Spirit, His gift, so that then we may go, so that we become a gateway for living out our faith in the world around us. Um, Hosea wrote, I will transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. Now, I don't think he wrote it for our church, but I want to tell you, I think God has aligned our church with that scripture. On Christmas Eve, I promise you, we will be a gateway of hope for you and thousands of others. Christmas is not simply a holiday about family. Although that's a part of it. It's not a holiday about just feeling good or getting presents. It is how God reminds us of who he is and what he's doing. He is with us, even, even in us, to bless us, but even more importantly, to enable us to join him in the transformation of this world. Christmas isn't just a miracle, but a promise that our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father, the prince of peace is with us in Jesus Christ and in us through his spirit on a mission for the sake of this world. 
Christmas is a day to celebrate, but it is also a a day to remember that we have marching orders. We have a mission. We have a purpose to help the rest of the world experience his love and grace. If you get to Christmas afternoon, Christmas evening, and you start feeling like, is this all there is? Man, it's gone by too fast. It's kind of a letdown. I'm going to go see a movie. I'm going to watch TV. There's not much more to it. Then you have missed what Christmas is truly about. But if Christmas is the start of something bigger, if it is this opportunity to prepare for a new year, to be the hands, the feet, the voice of Jesus to a hurting, sin-sick world that needs help, hope, and encouragement, you have begun to grasp what Christmas truly is. And here's the thing. Since God is with us, And in fact, in us, as Bible says, nothing is impossible for God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, boy, we bump up against all kinds of hard things in life. Even this season can get weighed down with all the activity and stuff. Would your light shine brightly in our eyes, in our lives, to remind us of why you have come and what you intend with each one of us, that you are with us, in us, through your Holy Spirit, not simply to be a novelty, but to transform us for the sake of the world, to use us for your honor and glory, to give our lives purpose and meaning. Father, as we go out on this December 21st, will you help us redouble our efforts through the power of your spirit that in these coming days we will do everything we can as led by your spirit, as empowered by your spirit to remember and point others to Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. learn more about us, visit www.gateway-community.org. Welcome to your journey.